0: Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Andrew Hart. I'm director at SPD Automotive, and I'd like to welcome you to this special CES edition of our, of our case series, looking at the future of connectivity, autonomy, shared mobility, and electrification through the lens of all the announcements that have been made at CES uh, already and that we expect to be made over the next few days. Uh, on the line with me, I've got uh, Mo Alvador, who's our senior specialist around shared mobility. and uh, We also have Jeff Hanna, who heads up our North America team. Welcome to you both.
1: Thanks so much, Thanks,
0: Andrew. Andrew. So I'd like to kick off just by getting your general feelings for what it's been like at CES. This time last year, we'd probably racked up 20 or 30,000 steps. Um, we would have been sat in, in countless cars, probably had a few beers along the way. Um, what's it been like for you guys um, being on on a very, very different type of show?
1: It's definitely been a bit of a different CES overall this year. Um, so as many of our listeners know, we're completely virtual due to the pandemic. And in just in terms of overall participation, you have about a fourth of the uh, sponsors and exhibitors than you would have at a typical CES. Now, in terms of automotive technology, in case you've got a limited number of OEMs, and uh, a broad set of tier one and other suppliers presenting. Um, In terms of the the platform overall and and some of those key differences, essentially most companies are, are choosing to make video presentations to demonstrate their latest technologies, followed up with a virtual booth where you can download materials, press releases, and the same. And I think in in some ways, it's been informative from an information standpoint, and you have seen a number of car companies like Mercedes-Benz, General Motors, and BMW still very committed to CES, but what you miss as an analyst is really what's happening between the lines. So there's important conversations, even looking at a traditional booth space and seeing where the buzz is that's really lost this year. So as an analyst and research team, we've gotta be much more organized to proactively discover what's happening uh, sort of on our own. Uh, What we're seeing is a lot of one-on-one events, so attending those and really making a a much deeper effort to say what is really new. So we saw a lot of companies, unfortunately, just rehash some of the things they had last year, in to try and make announcements. So we've done a, a a good job of really pulling out what's different, what's new versus what's just been carried forward from 2020.
0: Yeah, it's been tough, hasn't it? I think um, when we sat down to plan how we were gonna research this event at the end of last year, there was a lot of puzzle faces. And we, we have had to look at different kind of um, data sets. We started to um, to do Twitter analytics, to look at YouTube, to see which which videos have got the most views. But you're always trying to kind of replace the vibe that you would get from being there with with something else. And it's hard to find that something mm-hmm. else. Mo, what do you think has worked well and what do you think hasn't worked so well so far?
2: I think Jeff described it really well um, on the exhibition side of things, but I'd like to touch on the conference side as well. Um, so uh, where we're used to kind of live presentations and uh, live panels uh, on the conference side of CES, uh, this year, um, it's all, all mostly pre-recorded sessions that... Um, uh, I think they were mostly recorded in December um, so they kind of failed to uh, touch on some of the issues that have emerged since mid-December um, and it has not been a quite beginning to the year um, this year as well. Um, saying that uh, the, the fact that presentations are pre-recorded meant that um, the uh, presenters had more opportunities to uh, uh, produce the presentations to a higher level um, so we're able to Uh, see some previews of products while the presenter is speaking and talking about specific features while uh, showing them. So it was um, kind of an interesting juxtaposition when compared to uh, an in-person presentation.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to start by picking on Kind of the most high profile company, not just in, in automotive, but across all of the companies um, that have been at CES and that's GM. So they had the, the keynote there, Mary Barrow was, was talking um, along with a number of, of her people. Um, we looked at the list of attendees and over 2000 GM employees were registered to attend. So a huge proportion of GM employees um, engaging with the event. Jeff, as a former GM employee, um, you, you spent a lot of time working there, Um, What was your feeling of seeing GM up there? What did you see from their their keynote that kind of really uh, struck a chord? What did you think was was quite different uh, to what they presented last year?
1: Thanks, Andrew. I I think overall, GM did a really solid job of presenting really um, a disparate set of initiatives, but how they were all stitched together in their transformation to become an electric vehicle company. So you might recall that the week before the CS show, General Motors changed their logo for the first time in about 50, 60 years to really signify that they're all in on, on EVs. And so if you looked at really the keynote and the messaging that you know uh, logged about 48 minutes overall, it was... Uh, really foundational in in all the different things they are doing. So I'll I'll highlight a couple that that jumped out of particular significance. First, a commitment to batteries and new electrical architectures. So they talk not only about uh, things like the Hummer EV, but also really a platform to become scalable. So if you look at car companies like Tesla and others that started as electric vehicle providers, They really started with a heritage of having electrical and and battery powered uh, platforms that could scale to many different model types. So, GM uh, demonstrated their Altium uh, EV platform that will go from really high to low um, overall. And, And they've also put into place a chief electrical vehicle officer in charge of what they're calling a unifying CX platform for EV services. So as many of our listeners know, um, with the transition to EVs, and GM talked about this, things like range anxiety, um, the experience falling down. So they really highlight a number of initiatives from, you know, reservation platform to getting your home Uh, upgrade even before your EV is purchased and and you arrive and really thinking about EV as sort of a different and end-to-end ownership experience overall. At the same time, in thinking about how EVs could be used more broadly, they had a number of announcements to enhance uh, their Talmatics platform on start, a number of new services and ways and really made a splash in terms of the delivery market. So a lot of our clients at SBD Automotive are thinking about not only do you provide transportation to people, but how you extend the value proposition to goods and services. So the cruise team talked about their success in California and Arizona. And GM, um, you know, under under tight wraps, announced Bright Drop, which is a a brand new initiative to become – a leading goods provider and they are will be producing electric vans for the commercial space and have signed their first customer of fedex express so overall i think a really solid job for gm at especially unifying those different themes around this umbrella and their transformation to being an ev provider yeah i agree jeff i,
0: I was really impressed with a fairly wide cross-section of different areas that they were focusing on, Um, but their ability to not just show kind of flashy long-term views around flying taxis, but also to bring in uh, improvements to their, their existing platforms Mm -hmm. like OnStar and how they're going to bring in OnStar into the EV journey. And they seem to be kind of knitting together um, a, a
1: lot quite effectively. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree, Andy.
0: Mo, um, we saw quite a lot too from Mercedes with a new hyper display um, and alongside that, you know, announcements from BMW with, with iDrive, um, we saw Cadillac with a new IVI platform. Um, what was your feeling on the infotainment side as to how much of this is evolution versus revolution?
2: Yeah, um, absolutely, and this was uh, this was definitely evolution rather than um, revolution. Um, but what what happened really is um, the kind of the flashy displays, you know, BMW, uh, Mercedes with a 56-inch uh, display that uh, kind of dwarfs anything else that uh, has been seriously shown um, in the market. Uh, BMW with uh, kind of a flashy curved display that's. Uh, uh, that we haven't seen in a production vehicle before. Um, what that really does is um, it overshadows all the evolution that's happening behind the scenes, um, whether it's on the software or user experience, um, or even from the hardware perspective. Um, uh, so you know we're we're getting uh, solutions that work better, solutions that um, integrate better, and solutions that are more connected and more focused on the digital lifestyle. Um, and in parallel to that as well, we saw um, uh, the Samsungs and LGs of the world, um, and they showed their vision for how displays can take over inside the car as well. Um, so that's a kind of an interesting um, aspect of uh, what we're seeing in the infotainment and display side of things. Yeah,
0: it's a real shame, particularly when it comes to things like infotainment, that we can't be there to try it out and play around with the different features, because I think it's only that way that you really get to experience what's what's truly new. Um, I think looking at a 58-inch display is one thing, but understanding how they've implemented AI, how they're kind of more proactively engaging with customers, um, what kind of animations they have within there, even what kind of um, graphics they have. You know, Cadillac's announced their partnership with with Unreal Engine to, to build up a much richer type of UI than what's often available through more traditional automotive tools. Um, and all of that kind of gets lost a little bit through um, through marketing videos on CS this year compared to being able to try it out. So it'd be really interesting when our UX engineers get to get deeper into the system to understand how much of, of what they've implemented is, is really new in terms of an experience.
2: Absolutely, and uh, from the service perspective, uh, it's kind of the next evolution of connected services where they include digital lifestyle applications and services, whether it's um, uh, actual integration with um, smart homes and uh, smart cities, um, as well as uh, uh, things like um, user profiles. And we heard a lot about um, data, data transportability and um, how users can maintain their profiles um between different cars when uh, buying and selling their vehicles so it's definitely interesting times in the infotainment space and it goes beyond uh, the display size that's kind of the big headline
0: yeah absolutely jeff on the supplier side you were um, over at the harman virtual booth earlier this week what did you see there they had a few new kind of concepts around audio i believe
1: Absolutely. So what Harmon did at the show is really build upon the insights from their experiences per mile research. So one of the things that that Harmon really focused on is that the car would be a third place. Um, and I think a lot of that is one driven by the pandemic. But secondly, the realization that consumers not only use their car to drive, but um, enjoy sitting in their car, um, maybe between appointments, um, use as a second office, use a, as a place to be entertained, uh, a place to get away. So what Harman showed is through their platform uh, provided by different Harman enablers, really three use cases. One. Uh, to do sort of live concerts, and and where Harmon really succeeded with that vision is bringing together multiple enablers for a more immersive concert experience. So what I mean by that is 5G bandwidth into the car to bring in um, a high bandwidth audio, different visual cues on a large screen, a headrest um, with almost earphones that came out for a leading audio experience and changes to interior lighting overall. So if you look at that, um, it really brings a concert experience to you in the car. Now today you have to do that in a safe way. It's meant to be done as a stationary experience, but one could imagine as cars get more autonomy, and cars give the ability for for consumers to have time back, that kind of use case will be more and more relevant. They also picked up on two more, this idea that consumers will want to share content that they're creating coming out of the car. So the one that I liked about what they called Creative Studio was the idea that you could use a driver monitoring system that's traditionally used for things like ADAS or or safety services to basically, on an opt-in basis, record what you're doing in the car, what's that experience look like, and then share that out to your social network and out of the car. So one of the things we found at our own research at SPD Automotive is just that, when consumers are in the car, they often feel isolated from their digital world. And Harman picked up on the idea that um, consumers, drivers, passengers really want to be create, creators overall and share that mobility experience with others. And then thirdly, uh, a live gaming platform. So again, as all gaming goes to multiplayer, always connected, leveraging 5G in the car, leveraging the ear rest, leveraging a controller and then making the content really uh device and platform agnostic so harman's got something called the Harmon ignite app store to bring in that kind of content and make that available overall so while those look uh far out in the future harman did state that all these are production ready in the sense that an automotive oem could pick any of those up customize them for their own needs and launch them into
0: the market. Mo, in terms of shared mobility, that's an area that you cover a lot within your research. You work a lot with with car companies and mobility providers, benchmarking different services and helping them with their strategies. Have you seen much at this CES um, around the future of shared mobility?
2: Um, so interestingly, we haven't really seen much in terms of um, services and service service evolutions. Um, obviously, services have had to reinvent themselves in some way or another uh, in the past year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, but we haven't heard much really in terms of what their future plans or roadmaps are. Um, what we have seen, though, um, are uh, two things. One is uh, a lot of personal mobility devices, so um, we saw... Uh, autonomous scooters and uh, small pods that people can ride from for short distances for micromobility applications. And then the other thing we saw is uh, a set of enabling technologies um, that would have uh, applications within the shared mobility space. Uh, for example, uh, things like transparent displays um, where uh, instructions and information can be overlaid over uh, uh, visors or uh, windshields or um, any really transparent display, transparent surface in the vehicle. Um, and that would have um, a lot of uh, applications for uh, autonomous shared mobility in particular.
0: Good stuff. Is there anything else that either of you have seen that you, that, that's stood out
1: we also saw a number of innovations on the mapping front so we spent some time with here technologies looked at their set of announcements and uh, they are really moving to a platform-based company and making many of their navigation traditional navigation location tools available to end users to really build and, and enhance their own maps uh, which is quite uh, a un- unique value proposition. So traditionally, the third-party mapping companies felt like they had to own the end-to-end mapping experience and, and here technologies really putting put that in the hands of their end users. So they announced a new service called Mapping as a Service where individuals could take a lot of the assets and underlying location technologies from here Combine that with their own assets, their own sensor data, their own on-premises information, create internal maps that are good for the end customer to use in sort of a proprietary fashion. So uh, here signed uh, Deutsche Bahn uh, rail project is sort of the first customer for that, but that's an interesting one to see overall. Here technologies also added enhancements around EV routing. 3D city models and and also enhancements to how they're treating uh, data overall, which is very exciting.
0: Excellent, Mo. Did you have anything else you wanted to add?
1: Um, yes,
2: kind of outside of the product side side of things. Um, uh, there was uh, some interesting conversations on an area that's very important to the automotive industry right now, which is the um, the the collection utilization. And monetization of user data and how uh, how that happens and what has changed in the past year or so um, and the effects of legislation on that. So it was uh, some very interesting conversations on topics like um, uh, what to expect from a, a federal privacy legislation um, on the U.S. front. Um, generally, the mood seems to be optimistic that um, we are closer to getting to Uh, something of a federal policy regarding uh, data privacy Um, and the industry is really looking forward to collaborating with the government um, in order to uh, have meaningful legislation that is uh, that is applicable for um, real world applications and there were were questions about uh, transparency and informed consent and how uh, what the big tech companies like amazon google and twitter Um, are doing to uh, balance uh, privacy and feature implementation um, and make sure that um, uh, they reduce the friction at the front end um, with the end consumer and the past year has uh, brought up a lot of challenges where um, usually non-tech savvy users are leveraging a lot of technology in their day-to-day so a lot of these companies have had to find ways to um, uh, explain in a simpler way what their products are, how they work, and what data they collect, and how they use that data. So there's definitely lessons there to be learned for the automotive industry um, that we're hoping to um, see trickle down as such.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Mo and Jeff. It's been good to get your early thoughts on on what's hot at CES this year. Uh, There's still quite a few announcements probably to come and and a lot to digest. We usually are just as busy in the weeks after CES as we are during the week of CES, writing up the report and making sure that we capture as many of these insights as possible uh, to help our clients understand what CES means. So we're looking forward to publishing that report in the coming weeks. In the meantime, uh, feel free to connect with us on on LinkedIn um, at SPD Automotive. And we look forward to hopefully talking to you all again.
1: Bye.